performerstuff.com presents In the Holding Room with Christian Abbott. Hey everyone, thanks for joining me in the holding room. I'm Christian Abbott. We have an amazing episode planned for you today. The wickedly talented Nicholas Dramard will be popping in to our performer spotlight segment. Sorry, that was really bad. That was pretty cheesy. Nicholas, you deserve better than that because you are awesome. Make sure you stick around for Nicholas's incredible story and his amazing advice. But if you want to tell me how bad of an introduction that was, shoot me a message on Facebook or on Instagram at In The Holding Room on Facebook or at In The Holding Room with underscores in between each word on Instagram or just check out the show notes and click the link in there. Drop me a message, you know, advice, comments, or if there's a question you want me to ask the incredibly talented people I'm interviewing, I'd be happy to do so. So reach out and send us a message. Hey, in my thank you five segment today, I will be giving you the key to theatrical success. And it's not talent, it's not luck, and it's not who you know. So make sure you stick around for that. And in Professor's Corner, my man, Aaron Lotso is going to be here. He is a great performer, a wonderful musician. And in his spare time on the side, he teaches singers and dancers how to play the piano and how to play the guitar. And he's got some tips for you to get you started today. It's not as hard as you think. All this on today's episode of In the Holding Room. Performer Stuff was created to meet the needs of folks just like you, performers, educators, and professionals in the entertainment industry. At Performer Stuff, you can search our online store for monologues and music for your next audition or to use in your classroom. On our More Good Stuff blog, you can access hundreds of articles and how-to lists created just for you by industry professionals. There are dance and voice classes and workshops at PS Academy. Plus, you can download podcasts and shows just like this one featuring performers and entertainment pros from around the world. Basically, it's an online community just for you. So check out the website at performerstuff.com or follow us on social media. I'm so excited for our Performer Spotlight segment today. It features not only an incredibly talented person, but just an all-around good guy. Just to give you some of his theatrical credits, he performed in the national tour and in the Broadway productions of Jersey Boys. He was in the national tour and original Broadway cast of Mary Poppins on Broadway. He was in the national tour and San Francisco production of Wicked, where he played Fierro. He was in The Boy from Oz on Broadway with Hugh Jackman, and he was in Oklahoma on Broadway and did the national tour of Mamma Mia, just to name some of his credits. Please welcome to Performer Spotlight and in the holding room, Nicholas Dramard. Nicholas Dramard, thank you for joining me in the holding room. It's so great to see you and so great to have you on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. How's everything going? Are you holding up okay? Yeah, yeah. My wife and I are in Jersey City and it's cold right now, so we are definitely holed up. But uh, we have two dogs and a two-year-old daughter, so that keeps us entertained and busy. So, uh, yeah, we find joy in <laughs> giving them all our attention right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say that we're cold, too, but I'm in Florida, so our cold is not relevant to your cold. How dare you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nicholas, from uh, you know all of your television, movie, commercial, and theatrical experience, I know our audience has a lot to learn from you. I mean, you've been in so many shows, and you're obviously somebody who knows how to crush auditions. And I was just hoping you could take us back to a couple of those experiences, one of those experiences of your audition process, and walk us through what that experience was like. 
Sure. Um, um, I've always, I, I started my dance training when I was six years old. So dancing is my, what I have was most comfortable in what actually got my foot in the door in New York. Um, I can also sing and act. And so from there, I learned on the jobs uh, and trained some more when I, when I got to New York, took acting lessons and more vocal lessons and still kept my dancing up, which allowed me to uh, kind of break out of the chorus and land some leading roles there recently in my career, which has been um very fortunate and very lucky. But uh, so my my very first audition for in New York was for the musical Oklahoma, uh, directed uh, by Trevor Nunn and choreographed by Susan Stroman. Which yeah, uh, that's not intimidating to no, not at all. <laughs> but and and what's funny is that I didn't know. Like I I was this 20, 20 year old kid from Canada. And as much as I, I've you know trained and, and watched movies and knew about musicals and stuff, I, names I, I was really not really well versed on like choreographers and directors. And after audition is when I found out that oh yeah, Susan Stroman did like my favorite musical Crazy for You like a few years before. I was like, oh okay, oh, that's her. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So. Um, anyway, so I was in the, uh, I went and auditioned and it was, I was very fortunate and very lucky to be in the right place at the right time because at that point they had lost, they had kind of cast everyone at that point, uh, until they had the audition for us because somebody dropped out the last second, somebody, there was a conflict. So they had to run another audition and having, uh, seen most of New York, they only saw the people that they had not seen before. They said, Oh, we want to see these people. And so I was lucky that I was on tour with a musical Mamma Mia at the time and in Boston. So I, I took a bus from Boston and came to New York in an audition and it was myself and 18 other guys. So I was very lucky to be in a very small pool of people, being a, a little brand, brand new face, excited little Canadian guy, just dancing my butt off, not knowing and not intimidated. So I was just having the most fun I could. And um, after that audition, then I came back and sang and I read aside for Will Parker. And then I was hired as uh, an under, uh, ensemble understudy Will Parker for that All role. Right. So based, yeah, from one quick audition or no, it was still a two hour dance call. Um, yeah. I was very lucky to have that part. And I think, uh, you know, my, my advice for everyone who's always auditioning or their first audition in New York is just go have fun. The, the more you show yourself and that you're that you want to be there and that you enjoy yourself and have fun, the more you, the people are likely to hire you because they want to hire someone that they want to work with. There you go. So, yeah. Amen. Great. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> let me let me um, just ask you uh, about that audition. So was that an agent call? You were yes. on tour with Mamma Mia. So yes, my agent uh, found out about the audition, emailed me saying, "Are you available? Can you come in on this Monday?" Of course, Monday was my day off, so took the bus on Sunday night. All right. <laughs> Stayed Jeez. with my friend, and yeah. And then what, what did you what did you wear to that audition? Did you know it was going to be a dance call first? Yes. Or yes, okay. I knew it was a dance call. So I uh, came prepared, warmed up, and comfortable, and closed that. Uh, I feel good dancing in and that, you know, they, they, it's, it, yeah, it features who I am and my body. <laughs> sure. So it was like a two hour dance call. You said, did you do some yeah. jazz it, and some ballet? What, mm -hmm. what did they have you do? Exactly. Yeah. The first part was a jazz part. Uh, I think it was, uh, uh, Kansas city. We did choreography from Kansas city and then they made a cut and, and with the like eight or 10 remaining guys, then we did the, the kind of dream ballet sequence, which was uh, very balletic, but also jazz and masculine, um, cowboy and, and dancing. So we did that. They made another cut and then they asked um, people to stay and sing. 
All right. And uh, yeah. So what, what did you have in your book? What did you sing for the Oklahoma audition? <laughs> I sang my go-to's uh, Gershwin songs. I mean, it's classic contemporary, you know, it's classic musical theater. Um, yeah. And that was at that time when I was 20 years old, like I knew Crazy For You and I knew Rent, basically. Like, my <laughs> two, two favorite musicals. Um, and I had performed um, Crazy For You in my community theater. I played the role of Bobby Child. So, you know, Gershwin... I know like that, that, like the back of my hand. So I sang, uh, I, I sang, I can't be bothered now. Uh, you know, it's a classic yes. musical theater. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. And it's, and what, what else was in your book? Was that the only song you brought with you or in, in your typical auditions? What's, what's, is Gershwin your go-to music? Um, nowadays it's changed and evolved since the 20 years since I've been in New York. <laughs> I'm sure your I voice still, has changed a bit over 20 years bit, too. A little yeah. bit. Yes. It's, it's gotten better, but as well, uh, um, I still have my, my crazy for you. I still have, uh, they can't, I can't be bothered now and they can't take that away from me in my book. Uh, at that time I had uh, a gypsy. I had, um, um, all I need is the girl, uh, some Gershwin, those two songs I've mentioned. Um, because I was obsessed with Rent, I also had like some Rent for more contemporary, especially because at that time there was starting to be a lot of, of um, rock musical theater or, or contemporary, yeah. like Wicked was coming out a year after or two years after that. So um, the style evolved and changed at that time. So I had some some Rent and uh, some Stephen Schwartz as well, because then came the, the Wicked. I saw a Wicked audition, so I started adding some Stephen Schwartz to my book. Um, and yeah. Well, what do you think about that? Do you, when you go to auditions, would you pick a song by the composer of the show or, it, or does it, de it depend? It depends. When I first auditioned for Wicked, I did sing uh, a Stephen Sch a song from uh, Children of Eden composed oh. by Schwartz. Um, but I think that it depends on the audition and what part of the process you are in the audition. My, my advice is even if it's not in the right period, sing a song that makes you sound great. Sing a song that you go in there and that you can like, that you're the best at, you know, that that is your comfort zone. You're comfortable singing. You look fantastic and you look and you sound great. And if they say, okay, great. You have something in the style of the show. Then you can be like, yes, I'm versatile and let's pull something out. But it it might not be your best, your best song, but at least you were able to show your best foot forward first. Uh, some people might say, you know, that's, it's, it, that's not a good idea because then you're wasting their time. And no, you're not wasting your time. You're there to show them how great you are. That's what the audition is. It, the, you have to remember that the people behind the table want to hire you. They want to have their best foot forward and show the team, the director and choreographer, that they know who they should bring in the room. So if you go in there and you're fantastic and then the director's like, oh, he sang great. Can he sing something in the style of the show now? Then you've done your job by putting your best foot forward and being the best in the room. So um, it, it's it's all depends. If you can have in your book two or three songs from different different um, genre that you're that you feel great singing, that's, you know, as long as you're well prepared, it might not be the exact style of the show, but at least it's it features you. Yeah. That's great. I, <laughs> I I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, mm -hmm. if, and, and how often are the people behind the table a part of another production? Exactly. So maybe, maybe your your audition is awesome, and you sang a song you were comfortable and confident with, and you're just not right for this show. But six months later, those people are casting for a different show, and they're like, "Oh, remember that guy?" Yep. Remember exactly. That guy? So, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> great point. Thank you. 
Thank you. <laughs> um, let's go back to to your Oklahoma audition. So yeah. you, you you dance for two hours, and then they ask you to sing. Did you change your clothes? Or- yes, because I was okay. incredibly sweaty. Yep. <laughs> so you know, some people say, "Well, you wear the exact same thing you wore." And like, my, you know, an hour after dancing, I want to put on something you know maybe more presentable versus my sweaty t shirt and you know dance pants. So. Um, if the call, if the audition from the dance call into the singing is right after, no, don't change. Just wipe your sweat off, and you're, they they just saw you. They're gonna understand. But if you, especially if it's for a role that maybe is more uh, business like or more, you'd feel more comfortable. Wear something that makes you feel comfortable for the role you're auditioning. So if you're auditioning for a cowboy, yeah, if you have a, a cool you know belt buckle or a, a boot or something, then bring that to be able to sing with. You can't dance with cowboy boots, but as a little hint that makes you walk the walk or makes you feel, you know, like if you're auditioning for a business guy, you're not going to show up in a job, you know, in a leisure suit, like, a, you know, you sing you jogging in. So you want to always have maybe something that makes you walk differently. Wearing a suit makes you walk differently in the room than wearing, you know, Adidas pants. <laughs> no, it's great. Just a, a, a little nod. Yeah, a little nod. Don't wear a costume, but just a little nod for yourself to be in that character. What about the auditions that, or the callbacks that happened a day later, or a couple of days later? Would you wear the same thing you wore to the to the original call, or uh, no, there's I a lot? There's a lot of like back and forth on this. Yeah, so I, 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 it's un, unless they made a comment on your shirt. Like when I auditioned for Jersey Boys, I wore one of my favorite shirts that has like paisley on the inside collar, and the director. Des Mackinoff said, that's a great shirt. So I wore the same shirt the next time (laughs) (laughs) just because he made a comment the first time, Um, you know, but again, I don't think it's, it's, if, if you're talented, if they want you, they're not, they're not hiring the shirt off your back. They're hiring the talent in the suit. So I'd say if they shouldn't have a problem remembering you, if, if, unless they comment on like, Hey, that's a nice night pinstripe suit. Okay. I'll wear the pinstripe suit next time. (laughs) Right. You've done uh, a lot of regional productions and some great theaters across North America. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you land all those roles from California to Denver to New York and Toronto? I mean, like, do you go to all of those places to audition? Does your agent help you out with that? Or A lot explain? of these theaters, all the regional theaters audition in New York, or a lot of them at least. So my agent, yes, did say, oh, hey, they're doing uh, 42nd Street at the Fulton Theater, and they're looking for a Billy. Are you interested? And of course, yes, of course. Lancaster's close to New York, and it's a great show. The choreographer and director, yes, I want to work with. Um, and dream roles. So like Brunswick, Maine, uh, at the uh, Maine Theater, Musical Theater, they do a call in New York. Denver as well. The call was in New York. So New York. And they also have an equity call in Los Angeles. So if you're close to those big cities, what's wonderful is that you'll be able to audition for a lot of those regional theaters. If you, uh, a lot of those regional theaters as well have uh, equity calls in their city or auditions, at least for everyone in their cities as well. So uh I haven't had this. I've, luckily, I've always been available. But if there was a time where I couldn't go, let's say my dream role of, of Don Lockwood and Sing in the Rain, if they had audition and I couldn't go to New York, I'd be like, okay, what? Well, when's the uh, when's the regional audition or in that city? I will drive to it or I'll fly like whatever. I'll I'll take the effort. I have air miles points. I can I can have a flight there. <laughs> and how did you land your agent? I think a lot of young performers, new performers, kind mm-hmm. of like. I, I can't get a show without an agent, but I can't get an agent without a show. How did, how did you land your agent? It's kind of like a cash 22. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, I didn't go to a musical theater, 
college or university. So I know that a lot of colleges and universities have a showcase in New York. Like I know that they'll go to New York with their their 20 kids graduating and have a showcase and invite agents and, and managers. And a lot of people are able to book their, their managers and agents that way. Because I didn't do that, I was, a friend recommended me in Canada. I started my career in Toronto. And so I had an agent in Toronto for my first uh, couple of years I was in Toronto just by a referral from my friend who had that agent. So I was able to meet them, show my resume, and they saw me dance from a dance tape. And they're like, okay, yeah, let's we can freelance with you at first and see how it goes and see how our relationship. And then uh, that agency, uh, I got an agent from that agency that also had an office in New York. And so I was lucky that they have not bi-coastal, bi-country. <laughs> so they had an agent, an office in New York and in Toronto. And that's how I was able to um, hear of auditions in New York. There's also, uh, you know, some great resources like Backstage.com and now Website, Actors Access, a lot of stuff that are uh, accessible for a lot of people that are not represented to uh, hear about auditions. And even if you're non-union, it's a great place to to look at, to see, oh, you know, they're auditioning here, auditioning there, and to also break your, you know, to, to, to get your experience by um, audition, getting a lot of auditions in. Then you can see what how, what people are wearing, how they're uh, how they're acting, the proper etiquette for auditioning. I think it's it's such a it's a great place to find out about auditions. Yeah. Do you have any rituals or routines that you go through either in your head or the day before uh, before you, you you head into an audition room? Uh, it depends on what I'm auditioning for. Um, I do, I do, there's two things I always do. One, I'm always as prepared as I can. I always make sure that I know the material, the lines, I'm trying to be as off book as I can, but you still hold the, the, the sheet, sheet music or the, not your sheet music if you sing your own song, but if you have a, a song they ask you to learn or if you have sides that they want you to learn, memorize it, but still hold it in your hands because you want, it's, it's not the performance. You're not, you know, you still want to look like, yes, this is an audition. It's not performance mode. Uh, but uh, so I'm as prepared as I can. And depending on the role I'm going in for, I am, like I said, a little hint of that something. If it's for, uh, you know, how to succeed and I need to have a suit on, I just like have a little suit jacket. So I make sure that I'm a little nod to the character that I'm auditioning for. That's ritual number one. Be as prepared as I can and a little something, even if it's like a, sp a spritz of cologne, you know, like something yeah. that just puts me in that mode. And then the second thing I do is I never hang on to an audition. If you go in there and you mm. you do your best you can, you do you feel good coming out of the audition, there's no reason to dwell on it. There's no reason to get frustrated about something. If you could have done something better, great, then applied for the next time. But I give myself two, two city blocks, two New York City blocks to have the sides in my hand to say, what could I have done better? Did I do the best I can? And then I drop the sides in the trash and I let it go All because- right if there's nothing, you can't change the past. You there can you only go. learn from your auditions and to look to the next one. So let it go. I love that. You got two <laughs> city blocks. That's right. Think about it. Walk it, it off. Yep. <laughs> I don't, you can't change the past. Why mm -hmm. dwell on it? I, I, I love it. Yeah. Listen, when you were uh, auditioning for um, Mary Poppins mm -hmm. produced by Disney theatricals. Yeah. Was that experience any different from the other Broadway productions you've done? Um, and was your employment any different? We see a lot of more corporations coming, mm -hmm. uh, to Broadway. So, you know, you, now you're an employee of Disney and when you were in wicked, were you an employee of universal, you know, 
No, both those companies are kind of independent. They, it's okay. Disney theatrical, so it's not Disney corporate. And Universal is a an investor, but for Wicked, it was uh, the management was three two one management. So okay. the you weren't employed. You weren't an employee of Disney. You were uh, you were a, a cast member of Disney theatricals, which kind of like what sucks is that Disney employees can walk into Disney World and Disneyland and as Disney theatricals, you can't, you don't have those perks, which just sucks. <laughs> I never thought of it that way. Right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so those it's as even if corporations are producers, you're still uh, under that theatrical umbrella of those, uh, those, those companies. Sure. And what was that audition for Disney like for, for Bert in particular? Oh, uh, for Bert. I, so my journey with Mary Poppins is also a little different. I first auditioned for uh, Ensemble and Burt Understudy. So I uh, I was on tour with Wicked and I flew to New York and I auditioned for that um, against rigorous auditions with men, three or four different choreographies and routines, cuts, and then sing and act. Um, and so I was hired in 2006 in the original cast of Mary Poppins on Broadway. Uh, two and a half years later, I left the cast to uh, do Wicked again in San Francisco and and then the role of Bert opened up on the national tour. And since I had understudied the role and they had a lot of the, the associate director, the resident director had seen me do it. He's like, oh, I think we should see you again. So I had to audition again. So I flew to New York from San Francisco on a red eye plane and I auditioned for Bert and I went in the room. And because I love that role so much, it was it was like second nature. And I just I had performed it maybe a two dozen times on Broadway. Uh, as uh, the bird understudy and i was just i we did the the let's go fly a kite we did um jolly holiday the choreography and we read the the scenes and there was the reader and everyone was so nice and so warm um that was one of my favorite experiences uh, auditions uh, ever so i was really happy to when i got the part <laughs> i love bringing this up because it just it emphasizes a point that i, I hope everybody understands is is they they know you so first of all, you did the show. They know you and they wanted to bring you back, which which talks about your work ethic and your professionalism and being somebody that, you, like you mentioned earlier, that people want to work with. Mm -hmm. So you did the show for two and a half years and here you are like, yes, we should see this guy again. Yeah. But you were humble enough to say, yes, I will audition for that. Even though you had done the role on Broadway, mm -hmm. there are some people who would take offense to that for no reason whatsoever, but they might be offended. And I just, you know, there, there has to be times when you put your ego aside and you are humble enough to go through whatever process mm -hmm. they ask you to go through. Yep, so exactly. I, I, I'm really glad you told that story about mm -hmm. having done that role on Broadway, being invited to come back and mm -hmm. still auditioning for that role. So, yep. Thank you. Absolutely. You you have to check your ego at the door. You can't pretend that, you know, or or if they want you to come in and sing again, it's because they want you to come in and sing again because they want to see how great you are. Not because they think you suck or like you, you'd be like, well, you should give me the part no matter what, or you should hire me without seeing me. Well, well no, they, they brought the entire team to kind of compare you. They know you're great, but they also want to make sure that they have the best person for the job. So I, if they ask you to come back and audition, just, I hate, I hate put you know pretending or having that attitude and that's why people don't want to work with certain people with attitudes but you nicholas know, you and i both know those kinds of people so yes <laughs> and, they, and they don't get very far they're no. very talented yes but they don't work as often as their talent would allow them to yes exactly exactly 
Yeah. Uh, I want to ask, what is some of the best advice that you had ever received or something that you wish you knew when you first got to New York? Um, well, the shows have changed a lot in the last 20 years for, for you know, when, and this, this advice applies, and this is advice I give and I was given to when I was younger too. And that's uh, you know, every masterclass I do. I say this to, to kids who want to do it in this career, the more skills you have, the more jobs you'll get. So if you can only sing and dance, you will only get the jobs where you can sing and dance. And now musicals, they ask you to play the guitar, sing, dance, act, be a flying monkey while trapezing, backflipping on a tricycle. So or unicycle that's harder so the more skills you have especially when you're younger and you have the time you don't have to you know go to a job and and pay your your if your parents are supporting you and able to pay for your vocal classes your guitar lessons your piano lessons the most important i think is the absolutely the, a musical instrument in your training if if you have that it will make reading music and learning music so much faster and so much better and your brain will be that much quicker so i, I say if you're able to when you're younger learn a musical instrument if, just the piano the easiest the piano sit down learn the scales learn the the keyboard and where the middle c is and go from there i think that's the be best advice i can give that's great i mean could you imagine learning Jersey boys and all of those tight harmonies oh, gosh, you know, yeah. without the knowledge of reading music and mm -hmm. man, just makes, and that those auditions where they throw it at you Yep, here now you and you yep. go harmonize this or the four of you go harmonize this and you got to find it. You're in the exactly. audition. Absolutely. Right behind you who can. So. Yep. <laughs> and that person will is excited to be, to show that they can read it. So they're like, they'll push you out of the way. Go, okay, you can't do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> that was me. I was in the back. Going, I, I, I can read it. I can read it. I can read it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Nicholas, thank you so much for your time. Look, oh, I want to bring you back real quick. If you have a moment for our yes. lightning round. Absolutely. Nicholas Dramard, are you ready for the lightning round? Yes, I am. All right. Well, we got 15 we questions. Go. Let's see how quickly we can we can burn through them. <laughs> What's the first Broadway soundtrack you ever obsessed over? Uh, crazy for you. Go-to song when singing in the shower? Um, uh, bon Jovi. W what song? Oh, which bon one? Uh, uh, the, 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 what's the... I'm a cop on a uh, wanted oh, dead or alive. Wanted dead or alive. That's a great one. <laughs> nice one. All right. Uh, cake or pie? Uh, definitely pie. Show you wish you could go back in time to be in. Uh, 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 oh, uh, singing in the rain on Broadway. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. Who is someone that if they punched you in the face, you would not be mad? Hugh Jackman. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Uh, if you could, if you could do a show for the next five years, what would it be? The last five years. <laughs> oh, okay. So working with Hugh Jackman, you probably got this one down cold. Say good day, mate, in an Australian accent. Good day, mate. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> All right. Steven Sondheim is writing a new musical about your favorite childhood toy. What is he writing about? Snoopy. Oh, stuffed animal Snoopy. Yep. Okay. <laughs> a little avant-garde musical. Uh, I'll be interested on this one. South Pacific or Oklahoma? Oklahoma. All right. I feel like you'd say that. <laughs> Sour Patch Kids or Swedish Fish? That's a hard one. Uh, uh, both at the same time? If I, if I have to go to one, it's Swedish Fish. All right. <laughs> Which animal adds more joy to the world? Squirrels or llamas? Llamas? <laughs> Go-to cast album when on a road trip? Rent. 
Next superhero to have a Broadway musical. Me, superheroes in love, Superman. <laughs> there you go. Yes, perfect. Although All they right. already, wait, they already did. It's kind of Superman the musicals already exist. So I, then I'll go with my wife. It has to be Wonder Woman. Okay. Wonder Woman the <laughs> <Yeah>. musical. <laughs> Duet you enjoy singing both parts to. Uh, from Ren, take me or leave me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nick, here we go. I show up to an audition. You haven't seen me dance, heard me sing, or seen me act. Who do you typecast me as? I'm modeling. Something in Sunday in the Park with George. I will totally take that. <laughs> I don't care what it is. I don't care. I'll be the little girl who screams. That's fine. I'll be the monkey or the dog. Anything Perfect. in Sunday in the Park with George, I'm good with. <laughs> Nicholas, I really appreciate it. Congratulations on the lightning round. How can our audience get in touch with you or see you or, or hear more, more about what you're up to? There's many ways. Uh, we're all over social media. So uh, my wife and I have a, a living room show or a, a virtual concert that we do every four to six weeks um, called Superheroes in Love. We created this show five years ago and we were supposed to perform it in New York, but of course the pandemic hit. So we've, we took it online and it's been super successful and we get, we sing songs that we love. We sing and dance and involve our toddler and our dogs. So superheroesinlove.com, uh, nicholasdramard.com. Uh, if you search on Instagram or Twitter or TikTok, superheroes in love, you will find us because that's that's our show. That's us. <laughs> that's awesome. All right. Well, we'll put some of those links in the show notes so people can find it real easily. But Nicholas, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your advice. I really appreciate you hanging out in the holding room with me. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. If you have a huge audition coming up and you don't want to search through the same old monologue books, check out performerstuff.com. Our custom search feature lets you narrow down exactly what you're looking for, get a quick preview of the monologue, then print it out. Plus, lots of materials come straight from the playwright, so you won't walk in with the same monologue as everyone else. It's the easiest way to get your audition or classroom monologues. Search, preview, print at performerstuff.com. Can't you just tell what a great guy Nicholas is just from that interview? He is so great and so talented. Let's talk about some of his advice. First of all, be as prepared as you can. Do everything you can be as prepared as you can, but also let go of the past. I love that. He gave himself two city blocks to think about his audition, what he could have done, and then he throws his sides into the trash. You gotta let it go, leave the past behind you. Didn't Mufasa say that? Something like that? I don't know. But I also love the fact that he was invited back after two years of performing in a show. You know, that really says something about his likability, his uh, professionalism, his performance level. You know, you don't want to burn those bridges. You know, you don't know when something is going to come back. So you always have to maintain those relationships. Make sure you stay professional, stay positive, because two years later, they called him back and he was humble enough to audition for them. Even though he had done that role on Broadway, he was humble enough to say, yeah, I'll perform for you. That's so great. So some great advice there. Thank you, Nicholas, for sharing your time and sharing your story. I greatly appreciate it. I thank you five today. I'm going to give you the secret to how to become a superstar. It's really not that hard. 
Now, you've heard a lot of our guests talk about your network and how that's important, and it is. Who you know is important. You know, we've heard people talk about your brand, how you carry yourself, what you're known for, and that is huge. You know, we've also talked about your work ethic. You know, you have to have a great output. People have to know that. And all those things, they help. But when you boil it down to the smallest part, what it really comes down to, and here's the secret, is consistency. You have to be consistent. Let's talk about some of the byproducts of consistency. One of the byproducts is being better, getting better. And the better you become, the more of an expert you become. Consistently showing up for class, consistently showing up and being on top of your game at rehearsals, consistently showing up and performing night after night, the exact same show for six months or two years. That consistency, it's going to make you better. It's going to make you great eventually. Some people, it has taken them decades to learn how to sing, but they showed up and they kept doing it. They were consistent in their practice. They were consistent in their lessons and they became great and they are now superstars. You have to consistently show up. A byproduct of consistency is getting better, is improvement. One of the other byproducts of consistency is reliability. We talk about your network helping you get your next gig or your next gigs and it's because you were consistent. So you are reliable. I know this person's going to be here. I know they're going to pull through for us. I know they're going to be wonderful to work with because they consistently were in the past. We can rely on this person to deliver. So let's bring them into the show. Let's give them a job. Another byproduct right along with reliability is trustworthy. Isn't, wouldn't that be a wonderful thing to be known for that you are trustworthy and you earn people's trust by being consistent with your word with your deeds, with your actions. So when you're consistent, you allow that network of people who know you and have seen you sign their name to you and say, yeah, I got his back because I know he's got mine because he is consistent in his reliability and his trustworthiness and in his improvement. I know he's going to show up every day at rehearsals and get better and better until he can knock this show or this part out of the park. You could put that into a sports analogy as well, right? Who gets the ball in sports? Those who are consistent. That's who those superstars are, those who are consistent. I mean, how many, how many balls does Tiger Woods hit every day? Like 500? He hits like 500 balls a day. That's consistency. That's what gets him better because he shows up every day. I want to add another caveat to this, and that's kindness, being consistently kind will help immensely. People want to work with somebody who is kind, but you have to be consistent. You can't be kind to only the people that will help you. That will not go unnoticed. People know when you're not being genuinely kind and you're only kissing up. Being consistently kind is going to be huge. There are those people who have an opinion on Keanu Reeves' acting ability, and I don't want to go into that, but one thing he is known for is being incredibly kind. And I know for a fact that he has gotten jobs because people love to work with the guy. It's all about consistency. You have to dedicate yourself to showing up and being consistent. Sounds pretty simple, huh? 
just be consistent. Well, I wish you all the best with it. Thank you, Five. If you need music for an audition or a voice lesson, Performer Stuff's got you covered. PerformerStuff.com offers not only full music sheets, but also 32-bar and 16-bar cuts, pre-selected by our on-staff music directors with an intro and easy-to-read sheet for your accompanist. If you need some help practicing, you can download an audition bundle with the sheet music, a vocal lead, and practice track. Plus, the audio on the track matches the sheet music, so you can walk into your audition knowing exactly what to expect. As always, our search feature makes it easy for you to find what you're looking for. So when you need music, come check us out at performerstuff.com. On Professor's Corner today, I wanted to bring on somebody who could give you some tips and tricks and make you a little more self-reliant when it comes to learning music. And that's where my man comes in, because not only is he a wonderful performer and musician, on the side, he's been teaching singers and dancers how to play the guitar and play the piano. He's got some simple tips and tricks that will go a long way for you to be able to accompany yourself and maybe even write your own music. Please welcome to Professor's Corner, my man, Aaron Lotso. Aaron Lutzo, it's wonderful to have you in the holding room. Thank you so much for joining me. How you doing, man? Oh, man, I've been doing well. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, where have you been? Sorry, it looks like you're in a hotel room. Are you in a hotel room? Or are you in a bedroom? What's going on there, man? I'm in a hotel room. Yeah, okay. taking a couple days. Uh, I'd like to say I'm on tour right now, but, you know, I'm I'm not. I just needed a couple days, a uh, little retreat, and I happen to be in a hotel room. So <laughs> <laughs> It's, a, it's a, a pandemic getaway. Let's go into a hotel that's, room that's and it. not go anywhere. It's our world tour. That's but right. You know, that's the thing. And what you've been crushing lately, you know, is, is the virtual tour, right? I mean, you've been giving performances all over the U.S., Virtually. I mean, I, I met you as a skilled musician and performer, you know, but now you're doing that virtually for so many people, man, you've had to pivot. What's that been like? Well, it's been awesome, actually. It went right when the pandemic hit. Uh, I kind of jumped on the virtual thing right away, doing the Facebook lives, doing anything I could to just, you know, be able to play and sing and have people still keep that reach. And then from there, as you're putting yourself out there, you know, there's been more connections that came from there. And it actually resulted in uh, being able to play for a lot of different corporations, a lot of different hospitals in particular, because when the pandemic hit, obviously everybody was, all the, especially all the medical staff were stressed out. One of the people that was on a live happened to be uh, an ER director at Regents Hospital out of St. Paul, and then that turned into a lot of other things. And so it's been, it's been an interesting journey being able to play for people all over the world from, from my basement, you know? Yes. That's an incredible idea. You know, you have to master different audio equipment too. I mean, right now you have a keyboard plugged in through Zoom, you know, I mean, just things that you probably didn't think that you would have to learn about broadcast and technology. You've, you've since had to master. And I, and I think it's, we all have to be a jack of all trades in a way when we get into the arts, when we get into theater and entertainment. I mean, not only are we singers and dancers and musicians, but then we got to put on costumes and we got to put on makeup and we got to set up our own equipment. And, you know, to a certain extent, we have to be self-reliant, which is why I'm excited you're on the show, because one of the things that you teach singers is, you know, how to be more self-reliant when it comes to playing an instrument. My, my background on a little bit uh, educationally, I went to I went out to Berkeley out in Boston as a, as a vocal major and knew shortly after being there that I should probably learn to play something. You know, I knew how to play drums at that time when I went out there. And I mean, not everybody's Phil Collins. You're not going to be that singing drummer all the time. So I, I realized maybe, maybe piano or guitar would be better. 
So it was it was at that point that I just I learned how to play some basic basic chords on the piano and then just through a lot of repetition have now been able to you know play pretty well but um the main i would say the main reason when when i was out there and realized that uh that i needed to learn an instrument was because i i realized that everybody has different schedules and especially like in theater and if you're if you're just a singer which is which is amazing um it's great to be just a singer but uh, you're also you're also dependent on your accompanist. You're you're dependent on your accompanist for rehearsals. You're dependent on your accompanist to show up at the audition, and typically you want to do that anyway for the audition purposes. But uh, as far as on your own, it would be great if you can at least read a little bit of music or or play the chords along with what you're doing. Uh, you can plunk out your notes if you're having trouble spots. And I just realized that it would be good for me to learn, and so I kind of teach a simple method. It allows that. So, yeah, you know, the, the guests that we've had come on the show, they've talked about music being sent to them, you know, by their agents or, you know, when they have a callback here, learn this song. And, you know, some of them have had friends and resources that they've been able to send that music to and they can send them back a recording or something like that. But those people who know how to play themselves don't have to wait hours or days for somebody to get back to them when that audition, you know, may be tomorrow. You have to right. learn this song by tomorrow and learn this version, you know, and even sometimes at auditions, they have you take a song and go outside the room and say, come back and sing this. So if you yeah. can read music, you know, it just makes you, you know, all the more valuable to that company. And also I just yeah. want to bring up something real quick. You know, we had Nicolette Hart on and she was talking about her audition for Bette Midler and how she had to sing the top part. And then the next time she had to sing the middle part and then she had to sing the bottom part. Well, she had to be able to read that music. And that's where that, that musicianship really came in to help crush that audition because she could read the harmonies she was supposed to sing. So I think what you teach is right. incredibly valuable. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, once again, I mean, if you can, if you can be able to, if you can be able to actually take, take what you're getting sent. I mean, if you're, it, I just think you're like, if you're eliminating as many obstacles as possible before, before your actual deadline, it's, it just makes sense. And so, um, at least as far as the way that I, I teach, I mean, I come from more of a commercial music background that as opposed to theater. Um, but with, with that, there's, uh, there's there's simple tricks that you can learn to be able to, if nothing else, you know, at least warm your own voice up. I mean, obviously, as trained singers, we know how to do all, all, all that stuff. But there's still there's still an, uh, just a value to being able to to be able to play back and hear, you know, what it is that you want to what you want to sing for the auditions. So what are some of those simple tricks? Can you, can you give me an example sure. of what one may be? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, right now I kind of have a little keyboard set up guitar but what really what what helps and is this is really important for I don't know I like to teach people how to like develop their creative flow a little bit and so one of the things I'm, I'm working with a gal right now who is a cast member on on one of our ships and she she simply wanted to learn she wanted to learn basic guitar you know she knows that it's going to help her vocals I mean she's a phenomenal dancer phenomenal actress but she knows that if she'd learn you know guitar that it would help her singing she also wants to learn to to uh you know, if she has a desire to write songs, I mean, to be able, I mean, if I don't, I don't know, I know a lot of, and I'm not trying to ramble too much here, but I do know that there's a lot of, um, a lot of actors, a lot of actresses, a lot of singers that are also lyricists and you have books of, of just lyrics and stuff that comes to your mind, stuff that you know, you want to get out there. But I also know that 
a lot of those people don't play instruments. So then here you are sitting with journals upon journals upon journals of, of lyrics and, and stuff that you want to get out there, but you don't, you don't even know how it would sound to music. So here you are sitting with your library of lyrics. Well, this is, this is where I, I feel like it's really, really important. If nothing else, what better time than in a place that's not having that many auditions, you know, let's learn, let's learn a little bit about, about the instruments. So if I were to take this piano here, um, there are, there are literally 14 major and minor chords that you can play with three fingers. Okay. And I'm telling you, once you learn 14 chords on either the piano or the guitar, you're, you're good for a while. Okay. Um, with the, with the beauty of transpose buttons and capos, you're, you're awesome. So, I mean, one of the simple things that I do is if you were just to take a basic C major chord, okay. And you were to play that, Say like each of your fingers have numbers, okay? Your thumbs one, pointers two. This is really elementary, I know. Middle fingers three, ring fingers four, pinkies five, right? And you put your thumb on a C note. Second finger on D, E, F, G. And then you just play your first, third, and fifth fingers. And you put it down. Got yourself a chord, right? Okay. First, third, Simple. finger, thumb on C. Love it. That's it. You can, do that with any, you can do that at any, any key. Yeah, that would be a C chord. You go over to the D, first finger on D. Let's just do a D minor. We'll keep it easy. Third finger on F, pinky on A. Now you got yourself a D chord, okay? Give you two more. Okay. G, simple, okay? First finger, you just always move. Now, this is technically, um, if, you're, if you're training yourself classically, there, there'd be some probably some variations on this. And, you classically trained players will will know that, but I'm what I'm talking to is the people that that have no no idea of how to make music other than just with their voice. So let's do a G chord, same thing. Thumb, middle finger on on the B, pinky on D. So here you are. There's your G chord. And I don't know how many of you know this, but a lot of songs were played with just three or four chords. Anything that's commercial right now is pretty much a three or four chord deal. So you can go from one chord to the next chord, to the next chord, and so on. Obviously, that's not, you're not going to jam out to that too long. So then you have to repeat that stuff and, and, and just learn the method. But that's how simple chording is. And chording at least gives you uh, a backdrop to be able to, to put towards your singing. So once you learn more chords, say you are one of those artists that have a book of lyrics but don't know how to put them to music, you learn different progressions. You learn different cadences. And it's really, really easy. So like, um, you know, I've been able to teach probably over the last eight years in the midst of doing a lot of performing. I've taught uh, well over 100 people from age six to 75, you know, and some of these people have done like right now I have a student that's in her mid 60s and she's she's just like, I got to do something. And so we're teaching her chords on the piano and she's loving it. And it's, you know, so that's what it's about. No, that's great. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head in a couple of ways. First of all, I'm the kind of guy that has a journal and it does have what I originally thought were lyrics, but I've, I have since said it's now poetry because I can't write music. Like I, I wanted them to be songs and, and they are thoughts for choruses or for verses. And I was like, eh, no, I'm just writing a book of poetry because I don't know how to write music. But so I think you're absolutely right. If I knew, okay, right. if I could just bounce between C, D, G, and just kind of think of some chords, or uh, you know, the, the tempo and the notes, that would be, that would make my life so much. Uh, well, more, and and that's the thing. No one's creative. no one's saying that you'd have to. No one's saying that you got to be the recording artist 
piano player on your album, but at yeah. least if you can get if you can get the foundation, if you could take those lyrics and get the bass for like where you want to go with it, at least uh, I don't know. It just is it's super helpful, especially if you're into being a songwriter or or a you know um, a scorer or whatever that you'd want to do in this. So. I mean, Stephen Schwartz didn't do the orchestrations for Wicked. He just wrote the songs. It was somebody else who totally orchestrated it. I mean, the same with Stephen. Exactly. Song. He didn't orchestrate it. He just, I'm, I'm I'm willing to bet though he might have had a, a, a some sort of chordal instrument or something to help him get you know all that. I don't. Well, know. he wrote the songs, but you know, like you don't exactly. have to be like the expert if you have the foundation of a song. You know, you can yep. hand it off to, you know, to somebody to okay, write the guitar line, write the drum line, write the bass line. Absolutely. So, yeah. But but also just kind of getting it out there um, in, in a creative way is something I didn't even think about. I, I think about improving myself as a performer, as a vocalist, right. I think of learning an instrument. Uh, I didn't think about it as the creative outlet. So I'm really glad you brought up that point because it absolutely. Awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, you know, when and when it comes to learning new material as well, I think, you know, what you said about not having to wait, like now I can accompany myself when I'm handed that song, being able sure. to read it and go, Ma, there's my note. Okay. Ma, there's my note. Yep. Yeah. Yep. What else is there about the piano for our singer friends out there that maybe they could try or think about? You can't go it. You, you got to be able to match pitch well, you know, and being able to if you're coming on and and that's an area where you've ever been, you know, worked up, you know, I'm, I'm just a little under here. I'm a little over there, like being able to play an instrument. And this is like even if I'm talking to the beginners or, or anything, um, being able to play an instrument and just sing back what you're playing is really, really important. And so you can do that with a variety of different exercises. Um, right now I don't have, maybe you could sing it back to me if you want, but I'm not gonna, I don't have a moment. Gonna. <laughs> you're going to pass on that one. So anyway, so like if you're listening and you're a singer, I'm just going to give you like a little three note thing and then sing it back on law. Okay. So the point being is that the more that you're hearing your notes, the more, I mean, you, you, a lot of people, I, I have beginner students and I go, what do you think is more important when you're being a singer? Do you think, do you think it's more important the the actual singing part or do you think what what do you think is more important your mouth or your ears that's what i ask them and and they're like a lot of them say the mouth well obviously because you're singing out but i'm telling you if you don't if you don't let it register what you're hearing and then you just blast it out there it doesn't always sound good you know and so this is just another thing that you can do when you have a keyed instrument in front of you where you can actually see what you're supposed to be singing or uh, and then be able to play along with it. Or like I said, just taking little patterns and singing them back, you know, musicality. It's, it's, it's just, it's important. So, you know, not only does it assist you in your performance and your creativity and, you know, your ability to sing, but you think of all the major productions, all the shows that are casting musicians as the actors in the show. I mean, recently on Broadway, we saw the band's visit almost all those actors and singers on stage had to play an instrument. Um, yeah. There's, you know, even rent, you know, yep. you know, guitar. Kerry, yeah. Yeah. Roger plays the guitar. So, mm -hmm. you know, moving out, you know, I would, I would love if they'd resurrect that one. I'd be, a, oh, that's, that's where I'd want to go. Or move out. <laughs> Give me a break. That was amazing. <laughs> um, and this is, I mean, this is what you do on the side. I mean, I know you have a, a professional career as a musician and as a performer, right. But I mean, you've been helping people for years, you know, uh, and I think, you know, what's great is singers, dancers, actors, they already have a self-awareness. They already have mm -hmm. an education in music and, you know, there's already a foundation there rather than just 
you know, the, the bus boy or the, the bus driver or whatever, you know? So I think it's, it's less intimidating for people who are theatrically inclined to pick up an instrument, but I think they put more pressure on themselves because they think they should know more than they do, but just take it one step at a time. Just start with simple, gentle chords you know, yep. break it down to the important parts. Don't get lost in the minutia of all the small details. Like, so. Yeah. You said it. I mean, we, we, we put the bar pretty high on ourselves because of our, because of our industry. And, and I think, you know, there's to, to a degree um, being as, as polished as you can is really, really important, but, but it also, you know, if, perfectionism, you know, sometimes can get in the way, like it, because it can prevent us from, it doesn't allow us to learn a process. It just says, well, if I can't put my fingers on a guitar and, and just pluck like that the first day, then it's worthless. And, uh, so I, I just think, and, and then just, yeah, let the process happen, you know, give it a few weeks, give it a month, give it a couple months, you know, what else was happening? I mean, how <laughs> it's so good. So. Yeah, yeah. Perfectionism gets in our way. I love that. You know, and you think of the, mm -hmm. the time available, um, for all those performers who are out there, you know, on cruise ships. Hello, you're on a cruise ship for six months. Pick up a guitar. Pick up a keyboard. Yeah. You have time. For all those performers who are working in theme parks, doing five shows a day, you know, you have an hour, hour and a half break in between your shows. You know, right. spend 30 minutes in between every show, you know, learning a chord. You know, if you're yeah. out on tour, on the bus and truck tours, you know, like, we have more time available than we think we do sometimes. Absolutely. You know, even if it's a half an hour a day, an hour a week, where you will be three months from now will right. be far greater than you not even trying. So, yeah. I, I, thank you. Thank you for breaking it down and for making it so manageable and tangible. It's not as difficult as it's, as it's made out to be. And, um, you know, I just I'm thankful that you gave me the opportunity to share a little bit. And yeah. So. Well, I've seen you perform firsthand, so I know that you speak from great experience, and you know, I don't think there's anybody better to really break this down, because you know the trials and tribulations of the singers and sure. dancers out there. You know what they already know and what they kind of lack, and so you can speak their language. Yep. Uh, but speaking of them, how can they get in touch with you? How can they reach out to you? And, and Yeah, right now, I mean... I would love to, you know, I'd love to help anybody that's, that's genuinely serious about, you know, just, just everything we talked about today. Um, currently I have a little bit of a waiting list, but let's, let's, let's get on it. You know, um, if you can, it's, uh, you go, if you're going to put it on the podcast, you'll put Aaron Lotso down as my name, L-O-T-Z-O-W. Um, right now you can go to Lotso Music and message me there. That's just, uh, that's just on Facebook at the moment. And you can also email me at alotso at gmail.com. That's A-L-O-T-Z-O-W at gmail.com. And I would love to work with, with more, you know, with more people. So um, please. That's awesome. We'll put all that in the show notes and we can also put uh, all that on in the holding room.com as well. So it'll be really easy awesome. for people to find all that information. We'll, we'll make all those links available to everybody, man, Aaron, I, I can't thank you enough. Thanks for inspiring me. I feel like going to the pawn shop and picking up a guitar. That's right. <laughs> Get it, man. Okay. All the best to you. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Join me, Mark Pawsey, your host for Pro Series on PerformerStuff.com with friends and colleagues from the entertainment world whom I've had the pleasure to work alongside during my illustrious show business career. Together in conversation, we share our knowledge, experiences, wisdom and passion for the arts. 
from Broadway and the West End to theme parks, cruise ships and everything in between. Pro Series will bring you tips on how we succeeded in this industry that we love and respect. Pro Series, conversations with the pros brought to you by PerformerStuff.com. There you go. Some great tips from Aaron Lutzo. I encourage everyone to expand your horizons, learn to play an instrument. It can help you out in so many ways. I also want to say thank you to the incredible Nicholas Dramard for sharing your story and your time with us and your advice. And thank all of you as well for listening and joining me in the holding room. Make sure you're subscribing because next week you are not going to want to miss the incomparable Claire House. She is a West End diva, an amazing triple threat performer. Do me a favor right now. YouTube, tonight at the Palladium, 42nd Street. There you will see a video of Claire House belting it out and tap dancing her face off. A true triple threat leading lady of the West End stage you are not going to want to miss. Claire House joins us next week in the holding room, and I certainly hope that you do too. Have a great week, everyone.